This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name. My name. Is, <laughs> Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. Braxton, <laughs> you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a... A feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. Hey everybody, welcome to the roundup. Um, Robbie has uh, double booked himself, which seems to be coming more of a trend lately if you get a chance offer to uh, help schedule him or something on Instagram through a direct message. You might need that. So it's me and uh, Taylor today. We'll get into Taylor in a little bit after I hit a couple of admin notes like I'm supposed to do here every day. Um, don't forget to go buy stuff from the shop. We got cool hats and t-shirts. The supporters program, a little bit of detail on a really cool thing with the supporters program, backtrack outfitters, uh, bear track. How about if I screw up the name of our partner? Bear Track Outfitters out of uh, Manitoba, Canada is is giving away a all-inclusive guided black bear hunt. Um, and you get to pick which year you uh, take advantage of that through them. They're in Manitoba. This is a $3,500 value. You get yourself to Winnipeg. Um, in a cool little feature, Outfitters out there, if you're listening, airport pickup is awesome. Um, they pick you up at the Winnipeg airport, and from there, you're completely taken care of. 
um, licensing tags, meals, lodging, guide, everything um, for a uh, black bear hunt in Manitoba. And all you have to do is join the supporters program. Um, so anyone that's in the supporters program by December 23rd will be the drawing. Um, our supporters program is super easy. Go to bloodorigins.org, click on the supporters program, red button right there in the middle. And for as little as $3 a month, um, you are automatically entered to win prizes every month from our cool ass partners that uh, just give us stuff to give to you for supporting us. Um, we have some incredible stuff. And now if you get there before December 23rd, you will be entered to win a uh, all-inclusive black bear hunt in Canada with Bear Track Outfitters. Thank you very much to Will and those guys up there. Um, Corporate Conservation Club, of course, is up and running. It has some really cool additions to that. Um, if you're out there and you have a company and you want to put your money where your mouth is and back Blood Origins, our Corporate Conservation Club is super easy to join. Again, you go to the website, click on the big red button that says Corporate Conservation Club. Um, and uh, we have some great additions to that. If, you, if, you, if you're not going to join that, I think it would be really cool to show uh, thanks to those people. If you get a chance, go look at the logos, click on the websites, visit their Instagram accounts. Um, even if you don't feel like spending any money with them, thank them for supporting us. Smile at Amazon.com. Smile.Amazon.com. Anytime you're shopping on Amazon, if you go to Smile.Amazon.com, it will prompt you to pick a nonprofit and a portion of any of the things that you buy, Amazon will give it to us if you pick Blood Origins. It's a very cool feature. We actually got our first check from that, which I believe was somewhere around uh, twelve or thirteen dollars. So we need a couple more of you to go and do that, if you would. Smile.amazon.com to pick your pick. Blood Origins is your nonprofit. Um, listener interactions. Um, we started asking for this probably four or five weeks ago, maybe, and we, it was really cool. We were getting one or two a week. Um, and then we invited Matt Ranella back to the, to the uh, roundup, and Matt, uh, in true Matt Ranella style, voiced his opinion, which is, uh, you know, some might say he goes against the grain a little bit, and uh, we got a lot of responses. In a very cool, um, or what I think is cool, some may not at all, our responses were very, very, like, uh, respectful, um open-minded some agreed a lot with matt on a lot of points but not all some completely disagreed with matt um i think that the matt ranella conversation is a thing the hunters on social media hunters hunting for the wrong motivations hunters hunting just to get famous that's happening folks it, it it's happening there's people that want to get famous and they chose killing animals as their route to it um, the thing where I blatantly disagree with Matt on the podcast and still do is that's not everyone. I know a lot of really good hardcore hunters who do in fact share with their friends on social media. Um, but the responses were incredible. Lucas from Brit British Columbia. Thanks for sending in. Um, Lucas kind of leaned towards Matt, sent us about a paragraph worth of stuff, kind of justifying a lot of the point that Matt are saying. Um, Cole sent us an email um, you know, pushing back against Matt, um, and saying that hunters do show their mistakes. It's not all just 
just glory and glitz. Um, great email, Cole. Thank you for sending that. Um, Dave sent us a text. Dave's a, a phenomenal interactor of ours. Um, calls Matt Ranella, said it reminds him of older people than him that yearn for the good old days. Um, the problem, according to Dave, says the problem is that the old days are gone and will never come back. Um, and, he, and he's probably right. Social media is going to be an integral part of hunting. Um, we love the customer or the customer. We love the listener interactions. You can send us anything you would like, really. We may or may not use it to info at bloodorigins.com or you can send a text to 620-860-4804 in response. Uh, I don't care. You can literally say whatever you want. I read them um, and I decide what goes on the show and what doesn't. So send whatever you want. You're not going to offend me. All right, enough of the admin crap that I talk too fast through because I don't want to, I don't like it. Um, our guest host today is Taylor Latcham. Yep. How did I, did I write on the pronunciation? Yeah, you got it. <laughs> and then, uh, Taylor, can I guess a thing about your, per are you, uh, are you married? Yes, I am. Recently? Um, yep, about two years now. Well, okay. Your, your Gmail, your Gmail through, is your Gmail still say your maiden name? Yeah, that's my maiden name still. <laughs> Robbie and I, Robbie and I went round and around with who was the guest tonight because I, the name that he said I knew was not your last name. We figured out what that glitch was, but Taylor, you, you sent us an email in response to Robbie saying that we had never, someone said, you've never had a female guest host. And we had a pretty valid response to that, that we asked for volunteers and we'd never had a volunteer. So you volunteered. Um, I believe your email was titled, I'm your girl for the roundup. Um, I would say a, uh, is it weird that we've been sending emails long enough that I think I can sense enthusiasm in an email? Would that be fair? That's fair. <laughs> that you're an enthusiastic person. Tell me why you... Tell me why you uh, listened to Blood Origins, why you volunteered to be our first female guest host on the Roundup. Yeah, so um, I drive a lot for work, so podcasts are kind of how I kill my time. Um, I recently I went to South Africa in August and was kind of looking for more podcasts around um, hunting just in general and sort of getting positive notes out about that. And I saw your YouTube channel first, actually, with Cuz Strickland, and I absolutely adore and respect guys. And so I just, that's really how I got into blood origins and I've been hooked from there. Um, but I just love the message that you guys bring and your support and your enthusiasm for the industry as a whole. So that's kind of how I've got here, um, to listening and following you guys. And I grown up my whole life, um, came from a very avid hunting family. My dad and my mom, um, both avid outdoorsmen and got all of us out there at an early age. So it's been part of my uh, blood in my life for a long time. And it's still something that I can do today with my husband and our dogs. And it's just a really important part of my life now. What state are you in? I live in North Dakota, but I'm from Ohio originally. Okay. Both, both quality hunting locations. Um, after thoughts of South Africa. Oh, it was incredible. <laughs> I think their management systems and um, obviously we went with an outfitter out there. Um, we were so lucky to have just such incredible and knowledgeable guides. Um, unfortunately, that trip had been rescheduled 
three different times due to COVID. So it was really kind of stressful. Like, do we just cancel it? When do we go? And I'm so thankful that we did go um, and that we were able to have the experiences that we did. What about, uh, what changed? This is one of my favorite questions for people after a first trip to Africa. What changed from in your mind, what you thought hunting in Africa was going to be like, or what Africa was going to be like, let alone the hunting to what you now know because you've been there on the ground? Oh my gosh. We got to meet a lot of landowners and I come from, you know, like my family has a farming background. So you get to meet these guys and they're just like us, you know, they have uh, nuisance animals like we do. They have animals that are on their trophy list as well. And I think when I thought Africa and what a lot of people that when we were telling we'd go to Africa, they're like, oh, you're going after a lion, you're going after an elephant. And the amount of African animals that you can pursue is just incredible. And the landscapes and the quality of the animals and the herd sizes, that all just blew me away. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, you, I was, uh, my, my first trip to Africa was a uh, come along with us with, with some buddies. Um, and honestly, wasn't really, I didn't think about it. I didn't have negative thoughts. I just, it wasn't a thing I wanted to do. And holy crap, I can't get back fast enough. Like the place is incredible. Like you said, I don't know. I think, I'm, and I've been fortunate enough to travel the world. I've been to 31 countries now. And I, it's still, it's still, this is a dumbass American approach to things. It always blows my mind how much the people are like us. Their voice just sounds different. You know what I mean? I mean, like, like the, the farmers and ranchers in South Africa could come over and plop down in small town, call it Western Colorado and fit in great until they talked, people would know they weren't, they weren't. But other than that, you know, that's, that's, I love how just found a bunch of good old boy rural folks that like to hunt and take care of their animals and manage things. Right. I, I, uh, I can't impress on people enough that don't have an impression of Africa. Be fair to Africa. Don't have an impression of it until you go there. If you don't like it, then fine. But don't uh, don't judge it until you get a chance to go over there. Yeah, I mean, there's really nothing like it. And like you said, they could come over here. Our my husband's guide actually um, worked over here. He worked in South Dakota, just about five hours south of us for a couple years. So it was just so funny to be able to like it's a huge world, but we're all the same. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and it can be so small at times for as big as it is. You know, right. What uh tell what what do you hunt in North Dakota? Pheasants, um, you're a pheasant hunter? Yep, pheasants. Um we have a pretty good bird dog, so we work her a lot during the fall, both upland and waterfowl. Um big avid turkey hunter, just North Dakota isn't probably your primary like turkey hunting state, but there's still a few good flocks around here. Um all of our deer is uh lottery, so we're always putting in and um Really, even for residents, you you got to draw on the whitetails. Yeah, whitetails and mule deer. That's that's uh, I didn't know that. That's uh, I've always enjoyed. Uh, I'm from Kansas originally. My dad bought me a lifetime hunting license for my 16th birthday, and I remember like I was such a jackass of a kid that I like did the math and didn't really think it was that great of. A, I was like, why wouldn't you have just bought me one every year? I, you know, I was just a 
I, I thought I knew everything. And, but now I'm a resident of Colorado, but can big game hunt Kansas as a resident of Kansas because I have a lifetime hunting license. And that being able to walk into Walmart and snag a tag because you forgot to the night before the hunt is a, is a pretty nice thing in deer hunting world. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, I came from Ohio where, you know, it's over the counter, you know, two or three. Six, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's places where you can shoot six deer in Ohio, I think, the last time I was there. All right, well, let's get into the – I sent you the articles so far in advance that you should just have them on. That's not true. I'll admit this to Robbie if you're listening. I forgot to send Taylor the articles, so we started recording a little late, and she has now studied up on our current event articles. Which one do you want to talk about, Taylor? Um, let's start with the wolf poisoning in Oregon. Ah, great. <laughs> I put this one on the list. Um, eight wolves poisoned, um, I believe in two, di- not, not two different incidents, but maybe, yeah, two different incidents that added up to eight. Um, uh, you picked it. Give me your thoughts. What do you think? Yeah, so skimming through this, I think my mind instantly kind of went to there's probably like an upset rancher that isn't getting the support that he needs. Um, but I believe, you know, that's why the Fish and Wildlife Services are there. Um, so I kind of wish there was a little bit more information, you know, had they got a call, had there been concerns about maybe these certain wolves, were they a problem in the past um, and something happened here? Um, but uh, also, you know, as a conservationist, you don't want to see animals just being poisoned either. You know, there's better ways to maintain issues and handle issues. Um, so like I said, I wish there's a little bit more information on this article, but I still think it's something worth discussing. Yeah, that's a, that's a solid point. We don't really know the entire story of what this person's frustrations with wolves are, but at the same time, poisoning eight of them is not the answer. Um, even even if they were incredibly disgruntled, weren't receiving the support. Um, as I, I can't help but think that as, you know, Idaho, Montana, Wyoming um, kind of start to really get their programs figured out, you know, they're, they're now managing their wolves pretty hard. I still think in a healthy manner, um, obviously populations will tell us that as we, as they go into their management programs, but as more and more people are hunting them up there, there's going to end up being more wolves in Oregon. And, you know, if this person was a rancher or there were ranchers around that pack was, was probably causing them problems. And so valid points, the things that, that I took from the article, um, the things that I took from the, the the worst paragraph in the article, in my opinion, is there's one that says there's more than 2000 wolves across six states um, after wolves reintroduced in the Yellowstone ecosystem. However, wolves remain absent across most of their historical range um, and wildlife advocates argue that continued protections are needed. So they continue to expand. Um, I can't stand the phrase historical range, right? I I think it's, insanely insanely misleading right there's it's true there's no wolf packs in denver colorado which was part of their historical range and there's no wolf packs in you know seattle washington which was part of their historical range 
And this goes back to a really non-intelligent. I tried to be as little, as little, as not as non-degrading as possible with my verbiage. The argument that nature will take care of itself, right? Like a lot of folks, when they argue against predator hunting specifically, or, or more often than not, is if we just left them alone, nature would take care of themselves, right? And that there was whatever the number that people throw out, 25,000 wolves across the Rocky Mountains is a number that's been said as a, like, pre, you know, a a 300-year-ago number. Um, and I don't, I don't get how no one comprehends that there was also somewhere between 30 and 60 million bison running in the same area, right? Like, you can't sustain – and there was – you know, probably less than a hundred thousand people in that area. That there's now fifty million people in that area. I don't get how people don't see that that point. Oregon is definitely going to be one of the last states to come on board with with lethality as a management plan, right? Whether it's state sponsored killing of wolves or it's actual hunters being allowed to manage them in a productive way. Um, but at the same time, the main reason I put this article on was whoever poisoned these eight wolves deserves some repercussions. It's not the route to go. Um, the whole triple S system of wolf management that some of you will know, you know, there's a lot of folks that not a lot of folks, there's some, a few loud folks that preach the shoot shovel and shut up system with wolves. It's not right. It's not right. We have an obligation to find a legal method um, and a balance and wolves belong, but wolves belong in the ecosystem. Um, but to say that they can just run and, and uh, procreate and be un, unmaintained is, is absolutely insane. And this, unfortunately, this is what it's going to lead to, right? It's going to create criminals um, I don't know. It's a, it, it's a rough situation. I think that we're about to face it in a big way as some shifts in this country. We're going to face it with grizzly bears. We're going to face it with mountain lions. Um, and it's just that wolves right now are the ones that are, uh, pleasing to the media and get clicks, I think. Oh, absolutely. You know, you bring in the cuteness factor and everyone praises wolves and bears, especially, there are people a lot smarter than me in these positions that are watching these populations and managing these um, packs and hopefully we'll implement, hopefully the pack gets strong enough that they can implement hunting seasons in Oregon. Um, if there isn't already, I'm unsure on that, but just taking matters into your own hands is also not the way. Yeah, absolutely. It's poaching and, and we have a, uh... We, we, we as hunters can't have any patience or empathy towards that action. We can towards the person, not towards the action. Let's go to, uh, I actually, honestly, I had to research the, uh, the, uh, location of this article, but there's an article that's titled growing human elephant conflict and it's in Bangladesh. Yes. Um, Seven elephants killed by electrocution um, is kind of the gist. 
the article talks about wildlife protection activists filed a public interest writ petition seeking an end to such pachyderm murder. Um, give, give me your thoughts on this one. Give me your thoughts on this, on elephants in general. Oh, you know, I feel like if the U.S. had elephants and we could compare the conflicts on a domestic basis, I don't think we need to get involved in any other country's affairs. Like, they're going to manage their populations and their wildlife like we manage ours. And this, I mean, this is a very sad article. Um, You know, they're killing people. They're destroying homes. They're destroying fields. Those are people's livelihoods. And... At the end of the day, human-animal conflict is a, going to be and is a huge issue. Um, and if this is how they saw to deal with it or remove these problem elephants, they feel like they had to do what they had to do. Okay, you seem like a you seem like a uh, strong-willed person that can handle me calling you out. Go ahead. <laughs> Why can they do what they got to do and electrocute elephants, but we both just decided against the guy in Oregon that maybe, maybe, right? We don't know. This could have been just some jackass on an ATV poisoning wolves that had zero interest in the whole thing. But that's where this whole thing gets gray, right? If that was a rancher in Oregon, didn't he just do what he had to do? As a rancher, sure, but I believe that this was, it says forest officers, so I'm assuming that's their, like, wildlife division? Yeah. Okay. So, that's why I'm thinking, where these where these elephants were being a problem, if the forest officers were called in, they're looking at the issue on a larger picture and able to make a call than just, if I lose a calf tomorrow, going out and poisoning six wolves. Right. hundred percent. I agree with you across the board. I was just trying to relate that there's this gray area on things in my opinion. And, and the gray area is, I think the exact same people, I think that we acknowledge and recognize for the most part, that human animal conflict, we need to find a balance right? It's it's probably why human animal conflict, whether it's hitting cars or eating wheat and corn is why you can shoot six deer in Ohio, right? That's probably the driving factor behind that very liberal, liberal bag limit is population control to reduce conflict. And very few people, no one that I've heard from in the last two years is upset about that, right? If we can prevent car accidents and prevent crop damage um, maintaining those populations of deer through a lethal method, through hunting, um, is pretty acceptable. You know, there's some numbers bouncing around out there off some studies with white-tailed deer in, in particular that it's about 87% of the U.S. population is okay with white-tailed deer hunting. Oh, yeah, because, um, populate, because the white-tailed populations are so strong and plentiful. Right, but in these, but they're not. So are the elephants in these countries, right? Right. Like, I mean, you have countries in Africa with 150,000 elephants, crops being destroyed and people being killed on a very, very regular basis. The my whole plea, when it comes to 
the facts is my whole plea is the facts, right? Like, and for some reason, I get it. Elephants are cool, right? Elephants are cool. Dolphins are cool. Giraffes are cool. But at the same time, they're animals and these people are suffering because of, I mean, in this article trampled to death, right? As well as crops destroyed. Um, And when you have a group of people who then file a petition that the government has to deal with and what's really, really a problem is when it becomes a majority of the people. And when a majority of the people say that we can't have pachyderm murder as opposed to, you know, lethal use, lethal depredation control, um, it, it's, it's, it's going to be a real problem. It's, it's why I think blood origins is so important. We're going to see it here in the United States with black bears real quick. We really are. New Jersey and Washington both just lost their black bear hunts, their spring black bear hunts. Um, we're going to have like we're going to have like real bear population problems that cost millions of tax dollars to deal with similar numbers of bears are going to get killed it's just going to be done by some government contractor and cost millions of dollars to do i i don't grasp people's mindsets on why a black bear or an elephant deserves to win in in human animal conflict, but a white tail doesn't. I, I yeah, I agree with you there too. And I just kind of scanned this article again um, about the elephants and seeing that killing an elephant here is a criminal offense. So then that you know makes you kind of question if the forest officers are making these calls, why can't the country come out or the county or however it's divided up? And if they have an issue, allow the people a chance, you know, that could feed villages for months that could feed, you know, help, um, areas come back and crops grow back. Um, I agree with you. Just an interesting take on it. Yes. Yeah. And, and it's not, there's, like I said, I, I really believe it's a gray area. It's an area that needs to be discussed. Um, and hopefully it's an area that no one takes like the shoot shovel and shut up is a hard line approach, right? Absolutely. Also, let the wolves run free and go back to their natural numbers of 300 years ago is a hard line approach. And both of those things are silly um, and ridiculous. And hopefully our best solution at blood origins is to just keep having conversations, working through it um, and realize that we'll probably be having the conversations and working through it forever in all reality. Absolutely. Three articles left. Which one you want to do? Um, let's go into the um, turkey success in, uh, was it New York specifically? Yeah, weirdly a West Virginia article that was about turkey hunting in New York, I think. Right. Well, I think the, I mean, the wild turkey is a success across the country as a whole. I think that you could easily say that, especially efforts through the NWTF to build up populations, but they were almost completely extinct in the 1840s. And now there's a hunting season in 49 out of 50 of the states. So I think that's a success in itself. Um, But this one specifically was talking about um, wildlife conservation being good for the economy and what the turkey population and everything has done for the state of New York and the money it generates for them. It's kind of insane when you see these sort of numbers thrown at it. 
that turkey hunters spend $76.9 million a year in the state. I would have never guessed that. (laughs) Yeah, and turkey hunting as a whole has generated an average of $128 million per year uh, since 1985 when when hunting came back. Um, Yeah, great facts, right? Like great, great facts to be in a discussion with someone who doesn't understand the whole hunting equals conservation concept um, that, you know, where else in one state are you going to get like what other group of goofballs is going to contribute $128 million a year to a Turkey. Right. Uh, Yeah, I agree. (laughs) And, 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 or, or contribute $128 million because of a Turkey. Um, It, it's a, it's one of my favorite things in the world to do. It was my favorite thing to guide when I was an outfitter. Um, it's a great, it's a great entry level. The turkey is a, it's an amazing thing to hunt. And there's so many different environments. You know, you can hunt turkeys in the swamp. You can hunt turkeys in the mountains. You can hunt turkeys in a cornfield. Um, and they're all fun. You know, every yeah, yeah. species you find is has their own quirk and they're each different. And I think that's a, something, especially when you get addicted to turkey hunting, you can just keep doing it for your rest of your life and traveling around and always seeing something new with them. No, absolutely. We, I moved into the mountains of Colorado two years ago and we moved in in March. We actually moved in the week that then president Trump started talking about maybe we should wear masks two years ago. It was that week. Um, and two weeks after that, we heard gobbles on our little 40 acres that we have here. Right. And then actually a couple of times saw some turkeys near the driveway. So I got a tag, hunted turkeys, shot a turkey on my own ground. Cool as hell. A year when they stopped gobbling, we haven't seen one. I don't get one. I have no idea where these turkeys are at 50 weeks out of the year. At zero clue. Right. The amazing thing is that two years in a row, they come to my little 40 acre patch and gobble. And it's like the coolest thing in the world. I've never seen a turkey in that other 50 weeks. But during the time when they're going crazy, they're on our ground for two years in a row now. I, it's a thing I hope continues for the rest of my life. And I'm never going to let anyone but my family hunt them because I want them to always come back here every year during turkey hunting season. It's my favorite, one of my favorite things in the world to do. Like you said, maybe next to the white-tailed deer, um, the greatest North American conservation success and identical to the white-tailed deer, um, completely driven by hunter interest and hunter dollars and hunter habitat improvement. And, and uh, even the state wildlife agencies who did a lot of the transplanting and relocating completely funded by hunter dollars. So um, one of the greatest examples out there when people start to argue with you that hunting doesn't really equal conservation. Yeah. And I like that this article also says like, because of the revenues generated by turkeys, it's allowing New York to bring in and try to help restore their deer and elk and waterfowl, um, which is just going to continue to bring in revenue for that state and help them help the residents there as well. So pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like uh it's it's just proof, right? I mean, like it's hard data. It's not us having to say, uh, 
that we have to uh, we don't have to make up stuff on why hunting is good and uh, does good things for the wildlife and the habitat. Another great figure out of there was the state has spent a total of $11.5 million on turkey and upland game bird population recovery. $11.5 million total um, to generate $128 million in economic benefit yearly is a pretty that's a pretty solid i'd make that investment yes every time. investment there <laughs> let's uh oh we talked we should have gone it was really i threw an article in here about the uh washington it's an article from uh outdoor life kind of an opinion piece which which uh i shy away i try to i try to shy away from um not that brian lynn from uh outdoor life wrote it and i agree completely with it <laughs> Um, but it's very much an opinion piece on what's kind of leading to the uh, loss of their spring bear hunt out there in Washington. If you're listening to this and you're interested in that, go to Outdoor Life and look up Brian Lynn. The title of the article is Washington State Lost Its Spring Bear Hunt to Political Overreach, hyphen, and it's just the beginning. It's a really long title, Brian, but it's a great article. Um, and it, there, there's maybe some screwy things going out there. I hate... Uh, conspiracy theories and assumptions about things. I think maybe the Washington state politics as far as wildlife is concerned is is screwy enough that folks need to start paying attention. They've got that uh just like Colorado does, probably just like most states do. Um you've got this these huge population bases who are starting to dictate dictate management policies that really don't affect them. Um and now they have a governor who is opposed to sound scientific management policies. Um, and now he's screwing with the game commission kind of, kind of playing uh, a little bit of crooked pool out there on those things as well. So read up on that folks. It, it, even if you live in North Dakota or Georgia or Maine and don't care we've got to start paying attention to these things a little bit as hunters um, because it's going to, it's they're They're going to, if they're successful there um, they're coming after your bear hunt. I promise you, because it's going to be the next thing. Now that Idaho and Montana and Wyoming have dug in hard and aren't going anywhere with their right to maintain the wolf population, the animal rights groups, are moving on to a new species and it's going to be the black bear in my opinion. So if you enjoy hunting black bears or live in a state where black bear hunting is a part of your, your traditions and culture and your outdoor activity, um, pay attention to Washington. Um, Cause we kind of let it slip in New Jersey too much. It happened. Um, there's some good folks fighting a fight there and now it's happened in Washington and HSUS and PETA and Defenders of Wildlife are going to throw their weight behind the next state for black bear hunting here pretty quick, I promise you. What about, uh, what was our last one? Oh, here's this this one in uh, India, the one on the Hindu.com. I think this is a really interesting one to have a discussion about real quick before we wrap it up. Taylor, did you read that one? Uh, I skimmed it here. <laughs> So basically the premise of it is 
the government has created some, what is the actual terminology they use? Reserves, wildlife reserve areas that is infringing on the ancestral areas of some of the folks there. Like this to me is one of the, uh, I'm very much like politically, I'm probably a, a libertarian. Like, like I love protecting public land, but I also think that private land belongs to a person and it's theirs and the government shouldn't screw with that too. But at the same time, I love wildlife conservation. And what do you do? Like another weird gray area, right? For sure. What was your thoughts on the article? Did I put you on the spot? <laughs> You're good. Um, yeah. Gosh, it's it's hard to really feel like I'm overstepping when I say like what I would do, right? Um, but these people, I think they're coming to the government saying like, how are you, how can you justify this? How can you just pick these areas and pick these lands? And it doesn't really seem like they have a good answer for them. It's just like we're the government and that's what we're going to do. And now these, um, you know, these people have lost out on their, their livelihoods and what they've done for generations. Yeah. I like your approach to it. I by no means think that. Cody and Taylor right here should decide what the government of any foreign, probably, I don't, maybe you, but not me, shouldn't even be deciding what the government of my own county is doing, but let alone some foreign country. But I do think looking at these situations and discussing them um, prepares us to have the same discussion domestically, right? You know, what uh, what is the government reach for the sake of animals into private land? Um, it's a thing we've dealt with for a long time, you know, um, and a whole bunch of good has come from it and probably a whole bunch of government overreach has come from it as well. Um, no real rock solid decision to be made there. You feel bad for the people, but is it best for the animals or who's who, what, what point matters more it's complicated discussion? Yeah, Absolutely. And I, I felt, I don't know, I felt like they focused more on trying to eliminate drug trade. It wasn't even about the animals. It was focused on a completely different, you know, problem, but they're going to blame or they're going to try to claim that they're helping the animals to look better, I guess. Yeah, 100%. A, a thing that, in my opinion, a lot of governments are good at um, making 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 their actions seem noble when there's a different cause behind it that didn't require the action that they took but anyway that's why I put it up there because I thought it was an interesting discussion on government overreach and how far you know how far does government should government go to protect the animals it's the same you know it's the same as prosecuting someone who electrocuted an elephant that was, you know, how, how far do you go to protect the animals and protect the humans? And again, I just, uh, I hope that we continue to have, like, like, I hope more people are having these conversations. Um, and I hope that we're a part of those conversations because I don't think, uh, just like the Matt Ranella conversation from two weeks ago, I don't think Matt's right, but I don't think he's completely wrong either. Um, and having those conversations out in the open in a forum is maybe it's the only way to make the situation better. Yeah, for sure.
and you, like you guys do, you're you're making people talk about it. They can be uncomfortable conversations, but we have to have them. Oh man, you're telling me you should have been responding to the Matt Ranella stuff for the last two weeks. It's been people fired up in ten different directions at us. What <laughs> else you got, Taylor? What do you want to talk about? You got to have something. Um, I kind of want to touch back on the Washington bear hunt and, you know, in line with the conversations we have to have, we have to take the feelings out of it. And I, you could use this argument against several issues going on in our country right now, but you know, how cute does an animal have to be before it's okay to be consumed or it's okay to be hunted? That's a, that's a legit conversation we have to have because, at the end of the day, if these populations aren't managed, if, you know, they're allowed to run out of control, we're only hurting those animals more. So having these conversations, taking the feelings out, listening to the biologists that are making these decisions, that's what we need to do. And we need to, you know, like I said, trust the people that are smarter than us, trust the people that do this for a living and are studying and watching and hope that non-hunters and anti-hunters can kind of see where we're coming from and the future that we want. At the end of the day, I think we all want the same. You know, we want healthy populations. We want healthy animals. And in my mind, hunting is one way to achieve that. Yeah, and, and you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, the best way we've come up with so far. I had a conversation today with another, with a bear hunting outfitter, Will from Bear Track, that actually is don't giving away the bear hunt to our supporters program that to me, the vast majority of hunters prove every hunting season that conservation is more important to us than killing the animal. And the, the vast majority of us do that solely by abiding by the law, right? The, the laws, the laws, if there were no laws, we'd be a lot more successful in killing an animal, right? I mean, if we could, if we could do this, this, and this, if we could use a thermal scope at night and shoot as many whitetails as we wanted to from the alfalfa field, we'd, we'd be, we'd have way more meat, right? right? So we prove every hunting season that abiding by the law and the conservation of those animals and doing it the way, like you said, that the biologists who then dictate the draw who dictate how many animals we can take and the legislative people who decide, you know, the definitions of fair chase and what's allowed and what's not to protect the animals. We abide by those laws because conservation is more important to us than hunting. Really all hunters do. If you don't, you're a poacher, right? Um, and I, I agree with you. I, I think that having these conversations, trusting the science, um, I don't think, like I think the state of Washington is an example right now where we don't necessarily just trust our leaders because they have a governor and a game commission who are going against the scientists, right? The, 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 the biologists of their game and parks division recommended the bear hunt. Right. Um, politicians, really, in my opinion, never trust politicians, trust science and facts. Um, and the biologists in Washington said – we should absolutely do this to keep our populations controlled in a healthy way and then politics overruled. Um, I, I think really it's get involved is, is the biggest piece of advice. Um, 
And when you have when you have states like New Jersey and Washington, where unfortunately probably the people who understand bear hunting, whether they bear hunt or not, are probably greatly outnumbered by folks who just don't understand it, right? Sure. All they know is that some joker is going out with a high-powered rifle and, and killing a bear. That's what they know about bear hunting. Um, they don't know the science. They don't know the conservation. They don't know the actual facts behind it. Um, and that's kind of, you know, that's why we, that's why I'm making you at, at 745 at night, get on this crazy podcast and talk to me about this, because I think this, these, we at Blood Origins think these conversations have got to happen. Absolutely. And you hope that residents of Washington can kind of see, see what their leaders are doing. And, you know, there's elected officials and there's appointed officials. And if they're not being held accountable and they're not listening to their supporting roles, that should be considered in the next election. And you hope that the residents can see that early and not too late. Yeah, absolutely. Hope, hope, hope first that they can see it, period. And then from there, hope that it's done in a timely manner. So you good? You got anything else pressing you want to chat about? Uh, not really. I think we covered a lot today. Well, thank you so much for uh, for breaking our streak of not having a female a female guest host. And I can I promise you that no one's asked. And you were a great a great guest host. Period. And and uh, appreciate you having me on. Hope we can get you back on sometime. Yeah. Thanks so much for the invite. And thanks for what you guys do. All right. Well, thank you for listening and then and uh, being a part of the supporters program. It's uh, the supporters program. I know that we pound it. It's so grueling on us to be constantly pushing that we don't like it. We'd rather be talking about other issues, but it's the only way we can keep doing this. We've gotten to the point with podcasts and video content creation and all of the other nickel and dime things that people get you for that. That's what keeps us afloat is that supporters program. So Thank you, Taylor, for being a part of that. And thanks to everyone else that does that. And if you enjoy anything about what we do, contemplate throwing us three bucks a month or so with that supportive program. Thanks, Taylor. Thanks, Cody. Have a good night. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.